Well, we are right in the middle of our series called What Makes You Happy? And if you missed the first two parts, hope you get a chance to go online, uh, listen to our podcast, get caught up on those. Um, and what I want to do uh, right now is what we did last week. And I just want to ask you that question, what makes you happy? Okay, and so just think back to us uh, for a second, back to the first answer, first week, uh, week number one, just shout it out if you know it. What makes you happy? No thing. Oh, very good. You guys are good. That's right. Not anything that can make us happy because happiness is more about a who than a what. Happiness is always about a who or two. So if you're happy, it's because there's something relationally cool going on in your life, you know, because happiness has to do with people more than things. And if you're not happy, it's because there's, there's something wrong. You know, chances are something, some relationship somewhere, uh, it does it because it's, it, relationships is more about relationships than it is about things. No things can make you happy. So last week we added a second answer to the question, what makes you happy? And, and some of you may, may remember it. It's a little more tricky. Uh, but uh, what makes you happy? Sewing. Oh, very good. Yeah, not sewing with an O, not the other kind. That makes some people happy. But uh, we're talking about the sewing because uh, last week, this is what we discovered Jesus said about happiness. And we've all discovered this. And it is that Jesus taught happiness is an outcome. Happiness is an outcome. You sow and you reap your way into happiness. Just as if you're honest, like some of you have sown and reaped your way into unhappiness. But the downside of that means that happiness is not immediately accessible. Okay? If you're an unhappy person, you can't run out of here and all of a sudden be happy. There's no, there's no book, there's no drug, there's no person, there's no thing to buy. Happiness is an outcome to sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. But that means that no matter how unhappy you may be, there's hope for you. And if you are happy, you got to keep sowing in the right direction because otherwise you start sowing in the wrong direction. One day you wake up and you wonder why you're unhappy and you wonder what happened. You start looking around, you know, and you go, well, I just need a new thing, you know, a new drug, a new car, a new person, new, new something. And Jesus is like, wait, 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 wait. You should be smarter than that. You sow and you reap your way to happiness. So it's sowing and reaping and it's not immediately accessible, but it is ultimately accessible. Because it's all about what you do and how you behave is cause and effect. And so in those verses we looked at last week, Jesus gave us how to sow your way into happiness. Now, uh, today I want to rewind to something we talked about in the very first week. Uh, week one, uh, talk about specifically one thing that every happy person has. Okay, Not really a thing, but it's something every happy person, every person you know, every person you've ever met who's happy, they have peace. Okay, They have peace or they're at peace. They may be rich, they may be poor, introverted, extroverted, young, old, middle-aged, doesn't matter. They're just at peace. And when you look at them, you're like, you kind of look at some of their circumstances, you know, and you're like, how can you be at peace, you know? And, you know, like if, if I had to live there or if I, I looked like that or if I was related to them or I had to live with that person, whatever it is, like I wouldn't be happy, but, but she's happy or he's happy. And you're like, uh, you know, like what is that? If you have peace... You're happy. If you don't have peace, it doesn't matter what else you have. You're not happy. So today we're going to talk a little bit about peace. Now, happy people are, are at peace or have peace at three different levels. And this is a little bit of review. We, the first one we talked about, they're at peace with themselves. Okay, They're at peace with themselves. They're, they're just fine with themselves. That's amazing. The other thing you discover is that happy people are at peace with other people. Okay, happy people, they're not angry, they're not bitter, they're not holding grudges, they're not seeking revenge. 
Happy people don't see themselves as a victim. And it's not because life has gone great for them. I mean, in some cases it has, but many, many cases. Like you met people, you met happy people who they faced extraordinarily difficult circumstances. They, they've been mistreated or a husband or wife has walked off and let them, left them or they've been fired from a job and yet you, like they found ways to be happy with themselves and even with others and even with the people that mistreated them. Because happy people, they're, they're okay. They're at peace with the world around them. And then what you discover in many, many, many cases, that when you find a truly happy person, they're at peace with God. And today I want to talk a little bit about being at peace with God because here's why this is so important. Because one of the things that Christians believe and, and the New Testament teaches over and over in lots of different ways is simply this, that peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and peace with God equips us to make peace with others. If, you, if you're not at peace with yourself, chances are it has something to do with your past, like you're, you're just kind of carrying something around and, and you can't seem to get away from it. And so like you can't make peace with your past so you don't have peace with you. But when you make peace with God, God paves the way. And God creates the way forward for you to have peace with yourself. Because when you come to realize that the God who created you has forgiven you, like you realize you lose the right not to forgive yourself. You find the freedom to quit holding your past against you and you find peace with yourself. But the big idea that the New Testament uh, teaches is that peace with God equips us to make peace with other people. Because the driving behavioral ethic of the New Testament is this. Do unto others as, you, as your Heavenly Father through Christ has done unto you. That as Christians, we're required to forgive because we've been forgiven. And those of us who have made peace with God through Christ, we understand it is our obligation to figure out how to treat other people the way our Heavenly Father treated us. That's why like we say peace with God equips us to make peace with other people. So this whole idea of having peace with God, this is a big, big idea and ultimately it touches on the way you view yourself and it's going to impact or is impacting the way you treat other people. Now, when I say making peace with God, there's the assumption that there's a conflict, right? There's a conflict with God. Uh, Jesus taught in the New Testament teaches and there's this conflict and it happens at two different levels. There's sin and then there's your sin, okay? There's sin and then there's your sin. The reason you have conflict with God is because of sin at the macro level you know like there there's then there's the specific sin your specific sin but let's talk about the first one here let's talk about sin real quick the best way best way to understand sort of the general idea of sin not your behavior but sin in general is to think about the nation you were born in okay i was born in the united states of america i'm guessing most of you were maybe there's a Canadian here or somebody. Um, if you were like in the military, you're born in another country, but you're probably American citizens. And, and being born in America comes with all the benefits of being a United States citizen. But it comes with the consequences of being a United States citizen. For instance, one of the consequences is I can only speak one language, right? Can't even do that one all that well sometimes. Most of you can only speak one language, which is fine until you go somewhere else in the world, like and everybody's speaking two or three different languages, and then they like talk out loud about you behind your back and you don't understand what they're saying, you know. It's like 
Yeah, you guys have had that experience? And I, you know, obviously I'm proud to be an American and you're proud to be wherever you're from, but the point is, we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose what nation we're born into and it comes with consequences and benefits. And the New Testament teaches, and, and your experience bears witness to the fact that you were born into the nation of sin. Okay, You were born by birth, you were born a sinner. And if you have any doubts about that, just ask the people who know you best. Right? They, you don't, they're not going to need to see your passport. You, know, you were definitely born from the nation of sin. It just comes natural to you. You do everything that, that sinners do because we're born into the nation of sin. So at the macro level, this goes beyond like personal behavior. The New Testament teaches that we are by nature sinners. Now here's how the Apostle Paul talks about this. Uh, he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, because here's something you know, you might not use these words, but like wherever there's sin, there's death. Wherever there is sin, there is death. Some of you, you've killed your relationship. Some of you have killed a career. Some of you are killing your relationship with your kids. You're killing your bodies. Some of you are killing your relationship with your boss or you're killing your health. But, you know, wherever there's sin, there's death. Automatically, there's death. And the New Testament explains something that all of us experience every single day. That when sin came into the world, death was right on the heels of sin. And wherever sin shows up in your life, something dies. Now, for some of you, that's why you can't get along with yourself. Because your sin is killing or has killed your relationship with you. Your sin's killed your self-esteem. In some cases, like your, your sin has killed your, your discipline. And that explains you know, why we're all sort of from the nation of sin, if you want to think about it in those terms. And, and in this way, death you know, came to all people. So the New Testament teaches that when we think about not being at peace with God, the first problem we have is we were not born into the right country. Now, if you grew up in church or around church like I did, maybe you remember those little uh, t- tracks that people used to hand out, the little you know, handouts? Some were orange, some, some were black. Anybody remember the black ones? Uh, some guy named Chick, his last name, they were called Chick Tracks. Um, and you'd open them up and there would be car- cartoons in them. I love those because I was a comic book reader. You know, I was like little cartoons and they'd be like Christian stuff. Nobody's ever heard of a track. You got like, yeah, they walk around, they, they put the tracks out. They're using, okay, in a lot of these tracks, there's kind of this, this image, this illustration. Okay, one of the images to kind of help explain the gospel was this. It's, it's like, okay, well, uh, we're here on the left in the nation of sin. Okay, and unrighteousness. And, and God is over there. He's in the kingdom of righteousness and, and goodness and, and everything that's great. And we're separated from God. There's this gap. There's this chasm. And there's this hostility. And it's a problem because God's all righteous and we are unrighteous. And we, we act sinful because it's, it's our nature. We're, we're born separated from God. And the thing is, acting like you belong over there doesn't put you over there. Any more than learning another language, you know, suddenly makes you a citizen of that nation. Like, I can put on my brush, best British accent, doesn't mean I'm from the UK. Cheerio, hip, hip. You know, I was like, no, you guys have tried that. But anybody ever try that? Like, you try your Australian accent or whatever accent you can kind of come up with. It doesn't work that way. So here's the thing. The re- and the reason we gather as a, as a church is because Jesus came to bridge that gap. He came to, to make a way. And the gospel is all about 
God, through Christ, making a way for us to leave this kingdom and this nation and join with our Heavenly Father in what's called throughout the New Testament the, the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we are given right standing. In fact, some of you have heard the phrase born again. As Jesus is trying to explain this to people in his culture. He tells Nicodemus, look, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, okay, like, how can a man go back in his mother's womb? And Jesus is like, no, that's gross. Don't, you know, just like, that's what Jesus thought. You know? and, and Jesus is saying, like, look, no, no, no. See, here, in order to be in the kingdom of God, you have to be a national. You have to be reborn into a new kingdom. You get a new passport, get a new birth certificate. New, you're a new person. And so Christ made it possible for us to have a rebirth experience and to be born into the kingdom of God. And here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in his letter. He writes to some uh, Christians in the city of Corinth, or Colossae. He says this, he says, For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion or the, the kingdom, the, the nation, the environment of, of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Paul's saying that graphic of God in one nation and you in the other, that's exactly right. And that through Christ, God wants to rescue you from the, the nation of darkness and sin and place you into the kingdom of light. Not through your behavior, but through something God has offered you free through Christ. In Romans, he, tells, he spells it out for us. He says, therefore, since we, and by we, you know, originally he's talking about him and the people he's writing to, but really we, all of us, we, anybody who, who has said yes to, to Jesus, who has allowed God to rebirth them into his kingdom, since we have been justified, which means made just or, or made like given right standing before God. You're now just according to God's declaration. God has said you are just. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, then here's our phrase, Let's read it all out loud together. Ready? We have peace with God. We've got peace with God through our really good works. Because we tried really hard and we made a promise. And no, no. How did I get peace with God? Because God has declared me just. He finishes up. He says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Paul says that the first step to peace with God has got nothing to do with your behavior. The first step to peace with God is getting reborn into a new nation. Getting a new passport. Becoming part of a new kingdom. Leaving the kingdom of darkness and leaving the kingdom of sin and being accepted into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. So we can summarize all this with this simple statement that peace with God begins with faith in Christ. That's where it begins. Peace with God begins with faith in Christ. Peace with God does not begin with you doing something or, or trying to make yourself better. It's like if you learn to speak French, you know, you're, you're still born in the U.S., you're still you know, a U.S. citizen. Acting righteous doesn't make you righteous until your Heavenly Father has accepted you into the nation or the kingdom of righteousness. And we get there by placing our faith or our confidence in what God has done for us through Christ, His Son. So peace with God begins with faith in Christ. Now that's a part of the conflict, remember? We said there's a conflict at two different levels. There's sin, and then there's your sin. First, sin, you were born into the wrong nation. Your, then there's your sin, your specific behavior. 
And the best way to understand our conflict with God here is to think about the family that you grew up in. Okay? As a child, at some point along the way, you were not at peace with your parents. Remember that? Uh, yeah, maybe just a couple times, but surely you can think back to a couple times. Like, yeah, my teenage years, you know, they have no, no peace at all, you know, with my parents. And, and here's what happened in your family. Like, if you had good parents or, you know, a good parent and mom and dad who really loved you or something like that, here's what happened. Your mom or dad would say no to you and make you mad. And as a child, you would think, well, my problem is my parents. <laughs> they won't let me do what I want. So, of course, there's going to be conflicts. If my parents would just say yes instead of no, we'd have peace. And your parents are thinking, well, if I said yes instead of no, we'll have peace now, but you're going to have problems later. So i got to decide, will I sacrifice peace now because I love you and I want the best for you? Or do I want peace now and then just go, well, hey, you know, when, when things fall apart, don't move back in with me. You know, not my fault. Now, for those of us who aren't parents, if you're not a parent, you need to know this. The most difficult thing for me as a father was when I had to walk into one of my kids' rooms and have a conversation where I knew that the words that I was about to say was going to destroy the peace between me and, and one of my kids. And I had the power, you know, I, I could have just like walked in and said, no, 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 no curfew, you know, pff, you know, just come in whenever. Or I could just go, hey, you know what? Your friends are your friends, and you know they're good. Not, they're not that good of people, but you know what? If they're your friends, they're your friends. Whatever, you know. And and in fact, just have them over. I'll leave. You know, I'll just call me when you're done. You know, no, you don't have to clean up. You know, just like I just want peace. Okay, just peace. And every parent knows that tension of like, do I want? Do I do what's best for them, or do I do what's best for me? And you have a heavenly Father, and just as when you were growing up. Here's what your parents knew. Their love was too strong to simply go along. That's what great parents know. Their love is too strong to simply go along. And guess what? God's love. God's love for you is too strong to simply go along. And just like a good parent, God's love too strong to simply go along. And every once in a while, he dings your conscience and every once in a while, he, he kind of surfaces the tension you know, between your happiness and your disobedience, and he connects those dots. And he says, the reason you're unhappy is because you're disobedient. And you want to have peace with God. You want everything to be fine with God. And yet your conscience is bothering you. And, and suddenly, like you know, there, there's this tension. And the reason there's this tension is because God loves you. And he loves you too much to say yes to something that's going to hurt you because he's a good father. In fact, Jesus said the best way to think about God is as a perfect heavenly father. Think of him as a perfectly heavenly father with all the things that you would expect from a perfect heavenly father who occasionally says no, and I'm not going to change my mind because I love you too much to say yes to something that's going to hurt you. And I realize you're going to turn your back and you're going to cross your arms and you're going to wreck our peace. But like a good father, I will not turn my back on you. Because the moment you turn back in my direction, we'll have peace because I want peace with you. Think of the price I paid in order to have peace with you, to pave the way for peace with you. I sent my son to die for your sins before you were born, and I allowed you to receive my son as your Savior, knowing you would continue to act like you were from the kingdom of darkness. And I won't throw you out because good fathers never throw their kids out. They never disinherit their kids. That's how we're to view God. 
And the Apostle John writes the following about this whole issue of not having peace with God now that we're in the kingdom of light. And he addresses what it means for a Christian to be out of sync with their Heavenly Father. Here's what he writes. He says, if we claim to have fellowship, and, and that word, that really means peace. We think it means food. You know, it's more than that. Fellowship means peace, or, or we're in sync, or we're having fellowship. We're friends. Everything's, everything's cool. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, with God, and yet walk in the darkness and act like we're living in the, the kingdom of darkness and continue to do whatever we want and forget what God says, then we lie. He says, you're a liar. You're lying. And if you pretend that you and God are cool, but you're living in disobedience to God, you're lying. You're a liar. You lie to yourself. You lie to people around you. And you're going to pay. And God wants you to have peace with Him. And God wants you to have fellowship with Him. But you can't have peace with God. You can't have fellowship with God and ignore what God says. It's like turning your back on God and crossing your arms, wrecking the peace with a heavenly Father who loves you the way that he does. He finishes up, he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out or we don't apply, we don't practice, we don't obey the truth. John's like, look, don't kid yourself. You know the songs, you know, you show up once in a while to church, you give money, you know, you do a lot of good things. But if you know in your heart God wants A, and you're like, well, I'm not going to do A. Or if you know in your heart God wants B, and you're like, well, I don't have time, time for that. If you know in your heart there's this tension between you and your Heavenly Father, John's like, don't kid yourself. You're not in fellowship with God. There's not peace with God. And the problem isn't God. Your God's a heavenly Father who said, come on, come on. I want there to be peace, but I love you too much to say, yeah, whatever. My love is too strong to simply go along and to let you go along your own way. And John says this, he says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. You don't have peace with God if you're out of sorts with someone that you could be in sorts with. You cannot have peace with God who is forgiving if you refuse to forgive. You can't be at peace with God if you got your back turned to someone and you need to turn around and work things out just like God turned around and opened His arms, worked things out with you. You can't hate your brother or sister and say you and God are fine. There's no peace there. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. In other words, you can't hurt or hate others and have peace with God. You can't hurt or hate others and have peace with others. You can't hurt or hate others and have peace with yourself. You can't hurt or hate others or yourself and have peace with yourself or God or others. You can't hate and be happy. And then John says, come on, come on. So to sum this all up, peace with God begins with faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is simply this. It's like, I need something to place my weight on. I need something to trust in in order to get me into the kingdom of heaven. And God says, I want you to place your weight on everything that Christ has done for you in order to gain access to the kingdom of heaven. That's how you're born again. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Some of you, there's never been a time in your life where you've done that exchange and you've had that interaction. 
with your heavenly Father, where you just said, "God, I'm a sinner. I, I know. You know, I, I realize I was born into the kingdom of sin. I want to be born again into the kingdom of your beloved Son." So we're going to give you a chance just to pray in a few minutes and place your faith in Christ. But let's be honest, most of us, we've already done that, haven't you? I, I did that when I was a child, a young child. It was one of my most precious memories. Most of us have done it at camp or at church. And in fact, if you grew up in the kind of church I did, you probably did it like a dozen times or 20 times because the preacher would always be like, well, are you sure that you're sure that you're sure? You know, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I was like, like I, I don't know. And you know, at the end, it was like, every head bowed, you know, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Of course, you're your kid. Everybody's looking around. You know, it was like, but, and you meant it and you prayed like, you know, Lord, just in case, just in case, I want to be in. I want to be in. And, and, and your heavenly father is going like, you're, you're in, you're my child. That's not the problem. I mean, your faith is fine. It's your obedience. It's wreaking havoc with your own future and your own happiness. And I, I want us to be at peace. And peace with God is sustained by submission to Christ. It's waking up every day and saying, yes, what's the question, God? It's waking up every day and saying, God, that's going to cost me. But if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. God, people aren't going to understand. But if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. God, that's expensive. But if that's what you want, I mean, like, who am I to wreck the peace that I've been offered with God who has invited me to call Him Father? So here's the question, two questions. Have you made peace with God? And if you're a Christian, are you at peace with God? And your heavenly Father wants you to be at peace with Him and He wants fellowship with you. He wants you to have a clear conscience. He wants you to deal with the guilt and, and shame and move on. He, he wants you to be able to go to bed at night and just be at peace with Him. And so He invites you to do that. And the question is, why would we refuse God's offer of peace? Like, Think about it. What's worth you know, trading uh, God's offer of peace away for? Why would you trade that offer for a person or a thing or an opportunity or, or something you're not even going to have? You know, like What's worth losing peace with God over? How, how, why would you refuse? How can you refuse peace with God, with God's great offer? So have you made peace with God and are you at peace with God? And what's keeping you from making peace with God today? What could possibly be worth trading your peace with God for? Which will ultimately impact your peace with you and which will impact or is impacting your peace with others. So why not make peace with God? So here's what we're going to do today. I want to ask those of you who have never placed your faith in Christ to begin with, never made that initial peace with God, never crossed the bridge, never said, God, take me out of the kingdom of, of darkness into the kingdom of light, I'm just going to let you say your prayer. Words don't matter. You know, like you know enough to do this. I'm just going to let you pray and kind of do business with God. And for those of us who are believers, you're in the kingdom of light, and you're not acting like it, and you know that, you hated this sermon, you're like, ah, you know, wah. It was like, see, God, God got you here because God loves you. And he wants there to be peace, and he wants there to be fellowship, and he wants you to be in sync again. And he wants you to have the peace that maybe you haven't had in a long time. So we're going to give you a couple minutes just to deal with it. 
You know what it is. You know, maybe, maybe you need to commit to doing something, uh, writing a letter, visiting somebody, making a call. I don't know what you need to do, but you already know. You knew before you came in here. So why not just think about it? What could possibly be worth living another season of your life, missing out on what God has offered through Christ? Peace. Peace. So we're going to take a couple minutes, then we're going to come to the table together. You just close your eyes, bow your heads, have that private moment with your Heavenly Father.